0: welcome back to the podcast, everybody. And I am with one of my heroes today. I I literally just said I have to pinch myself to, to know that I am able to just sit here and glean from a woman that I deeply admire. And if there is a word to describe her, Dr. Naomi Dowdy, it is that she is a pioneer. She started as a missionary in the Marshall Islands think Robinson Crusoe, and became the first woman senior pastor of a Singapore church back when women pastors of any kind were unheard of. She has founded several organizations of global impact, and she is still pioneering today. Welcome, Apostle Doughty. I am so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast.
1: Oh, hi, Angie. I'm sure it's going to be a great day. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you today.
0: Well, we were just chatting for a while, and some of that may make it into the interview because everything that comes out of your mouth is laced with wisdom and dripping with just the wealth of the way God has used you and just getting to hear some of your story, um, what you're going to share with us. It, it's so evident why God has anointed you. Now you're imparting not only into my life and a generation of female leaders, but men and women across the globe. And so you really are um, inspiring a generation of world changers. And I'm so grateful for your voice. But more than 50 years ago, you made this shift from being in business, being a businesswoman in California, to become a young missionary to the Marshall Islands. And you moved from island and island to preach the gospel. You battled Mm -hmm. loneliness, culture shock, While breaking open coconuts, I read that for food and drink. I can picture you doing that as resourceful and and pioneering spirit as you have. And during that time, you built churches, you built a Bible school, you built dormitories. I'm just giving the the quick glance over because, guys, her life is literally volumes. But, you know, your responsibilities were so wide and varied. Um, And, you know, you're traveling. And then en route to one of your assignments, you stopped in Singapore and that shifted things for your life. So Apostle Dowdy, for people who maybe are hearing from you for the first time or they, they haven't had a deep dive into your story, take us back to the beginning phases of your ministry and what that looked like to be such a pioneer in that area.
1: Well, uh, uh, actually, I, I was I was uh, classified what you might say classified as a uh, a missionary evangelist. And so I was going to different countries and having open air healing crusades and mm-hmm. evangelism out of that churches being planted or expanded, etc. cetera. And uh, now suddenly, as I came through Singapore, actually on my way to another country for schedule and Singapore had wanted me to minister uh, here in Singapore, but I said, I can't, my schedule is full for the whole year. So they said, well, on your way to, will you stop by Singapore? And uh, we'll at least meet up and, you know, work on your schedule. And so while I was here, uh, I was, I was actually, mm, I don't know if I should tell you all of this or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe, uh, maybe you get a good laugh out of it. Uh, but uh, for, for pastors, even uh, wherever it could be very human, I had preached in this small church and uh, I had left one of the services on a, on a Sunday night and, uh, there, it had no, no worship. There was, there was no worship. There was, they, they sang hymns, but they were dead. There mm-hmm. was no, you know, you just felt like it was a dead environment, if you know what I mean. Right. And, uh, so after the Sunday night service in those days, uh, they said, let's go out and have dinner and I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little tired. Uh, wasn't exactly true, but I'm a, a little tired. Maybe uh, just th- take me back to the hotel. And uh, as I told him that we started to the door, put in my, my Bible under my arm and said under my breath, thank you, Jesus. I don't ever have to come back here again. Mm. Now fast forward a little bit. I was with the leader in the nation and he had, he said, Hey, you're free this afternoon. Uh, You don't have meetings till tonight. Why don't you ride with me as I run some errands. And so I said, great. So I, Got in the card. off we went. We went down to the uh, immigration department in Singapore. And it was the old, old building. This is not the modern Singapore of today. This was the old one. And we were walking up these steps. He was in front because it was a narrow thing. And uh, I said, hey, man, what, what are we here for? He said, oh, he said, uh, there's a missionary here that has a visa problem. So I've come down to see what I can do if I can maybe resolve the issue. Otherwise, he's got yeah, his family have to leave in seven days. And the Lord spoke to me and you are going to take that church.
0: Mm-hmm. It was a
1: like an audible voice. I was like, not me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't I, I didn't I had no more conversation the rest of the time. I said, very quiet. And uh, he went and talked. And then I said take me back to my hotel. And so he dropped me back. But I, now I knew God had said, that's the problem. And you know, you hear God.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I yeah.
1: But I have, I, you know, I can, I, a few lessons for Jonah and mm-hmm. Jacob. You know, I can teach. I, I said, okay. Um, if I change hotels, they can't find me. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one. Another. Oh, I could call everyone who is a spiritual authority over me. Hmm. And then uh, every one of them said, It's okay, it's okay. So, being the Assemblies of God, I called Springfield because they're my ultimate head, and they had a white paper that says no missionaries should be pastoring. Hmm. This was a church that now, so come on. So, I called Springfield and I called my director and I said, You know, they want me to take this church, you know, what do you think I should do? He said, Do it. I said, no, you're <laughs> supposed to tell me. No, don't you know the white paper? <laughs> you know the, paper? the paper says we're not supposed to do this. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it, it, there's, it's, it gets complicated. But anyway, that was the hilarious side of it. And well, now I have been rejected from in, and told yes on, on everything. Mm. But ultimately, I still knew God had said,
0: yeah,
1: is I going to obey or disobey? So. I had trained pastors. I had worked with pastors for years, but me to pastor was not on my radar. Really? It was not wow. my agenda. That
0: mm-hmm. was
1: not me. I'm an evangelist. I'm a cut-out true blue evangelist. I don't want to stay in one place. I don't want to look at the same people three times a week. I'm out of here, you know. But I said, oh, finally, they couldn't come up with anybody else. I said, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Okay, God, I'm going to do this. Okay. And I said, okay, church, six months. Find You keep looking for somebody else. Six months. And, uh, you know, you find somebody. And uh, at least I'm obeying God. I've taken the church. Well, 30 years later, I found my successor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so God had to change my attitude. And he may change need to change some of the people, some of you who are listening today. Your attitude may be really lousy. as mine was God may need to change our attitude before he could get us into our destiny.
0: Mm, that's so good. And I know you write a lot of your stories in the book that is uh, I've got my note here, destiny calling. I have another one of your books in front of me, which is moving on and moving up, which we're going to talk about in just a second, but I know you could talk for hours, but I, I have to hear something. So tell me one of the stories. That stands out so much to you in that season of pastoring. I know you have provision stories, miracle stories, something that you think our listeners would love to hear that would encourage them from that time of ministry for you.
1: Well, I I could, you know, I could share from the angle of the congregation. I can share from the uh, angle of our of the uh, individuals of being discipled of Mm -hmm. people who said, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. Who became extraordinary leaders, some are leaders entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in business, some who became in, in church, leaders in churches. So there's different angles that could come from Angela.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, uh, for maybe for pastors that are listening, uh, we came to the time whenever we had to buy property for a building. Uh, God had resolved the problems because I said we had, uh, when I took the church, they had just baptized their first 40. Two members, and I inherited seventy-five problems.
0: So, <laughs> do the math.
1: <laughs> uh, and, uh, oh, that no. one out. Uh, So, so I again, and my, with my mindset of not wanting to be a pastor anyway, but God did change my attitude. He miraculously, prophetically showed me some issues. I revealed those issues. Uh, things turned around, and we began to grow. So when we got property. We were probably up, had about 150, 200, maybe max, uh, 250, somewhere in there, people. We had an opportunity to buy property. In those days, it was expensive. Today, this is cheap. But back in those days, the property cost uh, 2.6 million. Mm, well, yeah. we only had $30,000 in the bank. And uh, most of the people in the church were people who were under 30 years of age and the majority of them in the university. Yeah. So that yeah. we had $30,000, we had 3 months to pay the whole amount because in those days banks would not talk to you. They mm. would not. So we had to would we by faith buy this? Because God, we know God wants us to or will we say this is too much for us at our size? And the component of our situ- of our documents, I mean, of our compo- uh, con- constituents. Now, but short story, in in our short amount of time, in our three to four months, we had we raised two point six million dollars. Wow, from that congregation, and it was. I won't go into the details of how God gave me revelation of how to do this and do that, uh, so that uh, people even mortgage their homes. Uh, the, the, the Two or three adults, we had mortgaged their homes and put them up as collateral against so the bank would release money for us. People gave us gave us loans, loan after loan after loan. We paid everybody back, but it was a it was a with interest, by the way.
0: Wow.
1: And it was a miraculous thing that happened. People who were saving up their uh, money for their children's education. Uh, would would take the money out, let the church have it, so that we could give it to the bank to to get money out and so forth. And so it was a miraculous thing of faith because I believe faith is the key that unlocks the door. Mm. And I, my, my we worked. Uh, I developed that what I call faith promise. I don't know if you've heard of the yes, faith promise. Yes, Listen. yes, okay. I introduced faith, the faith promise. Why? Because I don't want just people to give. I want them to understand that when we give according to God's economy, not name it and claim it, Guy, give God a thousand, he'll give me ten thousand. No, no, no. I'm talking about biblical economy, that when we do things the way God says, God then supplies. And I wanted them to learn that not just in giving, but hear God and tell God, I'm going to, whatever he tells you, I'm going to give this to you during the next year. And during that year, you can give it one time or you can give it per month or what sporadically, whenever. And the church will never ask you, wait, you said you're going to give and you didn't. No IOUs, no pledges, but it's a promise between you and God. Why? Because I want them to know that they can learn to hear from God. And once they hear from God, when they obey, they can see God provide. Mm-hmm. So then it's not just finances for the church program or the church expansion, but it's now faith that will work for them, for their finances, mm, for their okay. children, for their education, for their homes, for their businesses. So the key for me is the underlying teaching of faith, so that we walk by faith and not by sight. The circumstances do not determine our faith level.
0: Mm, I think you've you, it's, it's so evident you've lived your entire life that way, walking by faith, and not by sight. And so that kind of radical obedience has been met with God's miraculous provision over and over again. And I call you a seer. I know some call you a pioneer, but your ability, Dr. Dowdy, to anticipate, to sense where God is going. And I've had the privilege of sitting under some of your teaching one-on-one And, uh, it has been some of the most impacting teaching that I have ever experienced and your ability to hear from God and translate that in a way that marks us profoundly. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I know there's a theme that's been constant in your life and that is that God is always shifting his people from one level to the next. We're never status quo from one divine assignment to another. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to read moving on and moving up. If you haven't read this listeners, it's, it's not a very long book, but it's a very impacting book. It's a book that that just get, gets hooks in you and it starts to do something to your faith and shift the way you're looking at things. And uh, so it has 10 principles that can empower us to move up to the next level. And I, I know we can't talk about all of them because I want to really hear your heart as we start this new year and what you sense God is saying. And so guys are going to want to stay tuned for all that she's going to impart to us in this conversation that we're having with her today. But I I want to just ask you a couple of questions that stuck out to me from this book, Dr. Dowdy. And one is how do we recognize if that we are ready to, to, to transition or move into a new level or that, how do we even know to recognize that God is moving us into a new season?
1: Well, uh, in, in case people start trying to find that book, actually, Moving On, Moving Up is the title of a three-book series.
0: Oh, great. Okay.
1: There's three books in that, and each one deals with a different topic. My book, I call them Lean and Mean. There's no fluff and stuff inside. <laughs> I <love> uh, it. <laughs> uh, stand up, speak up, and then uh, amen. Uh, so uh, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about where they could get them in, in a few moments, but sure. let me answer that question. Because, uh, and I'm not sure, really, are we ever really ready for the next level that God has for us? Hmm. But there comes that time, I, I call it a tipping point, when we know we have to step out by faith. Inside, we can be wanting change as long as nothing changes. Because when we're really faced at it, there, they're, you know, Uh, God creates us, but he doesn't in creation, even he knows us from our mother's womb. He doesn't intend us to stay at that stage. It's a development. So I don't think Peter was ready to step out of the boat. When that moment came, regardless of the unknowns, like Peter, you have to take that leap of faith. For me, I have found one of the strongest indicators that God is shifting me into a new assignment is a restlessness inside. It's a, it's kind of an uneasy feeling, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you're not, you're not comfortable like you used to be. Uh, you're doing things you love, but it doesn't. You don't seem to be as fulfilled hmm, doing what it? you're presently doing. Uh, now, I'm not talking about there, there's no big problems. Uh, there's no big issues to create these feelings. But you just seem to feel like there's something outside. The, the door to the cage is open and you just need to get out there into something that's more. Hmm. Now, I'm not, as I said, I'm not talking about because you get discouraged or you get tired or you get frustrated. Oh. Come on. Not, those are not reasons for shift. But for me, every time God shifted me, I was always happy doing what I was doing. (laughs) Hmm. uh, But even though I was being happy, it was just a little less comfortable feeling. I don't know if you understand Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about, Angie. You understand that?
0: I do. I, I had that experience after I'd led worship for almost 20 years. And I started to feel that sense of restlessness. It was something I loved. And I still love to do it on occasion, but I knew God was shifting me out of doing that full time. And you you have to lean into that restlessness and uncomfortability and recognize, OK, God is doing that. Um, like you said, not just I got my feelings hurt about something or I got disgruntled, but a Holy Spirit uncomfortability that begins to stir. And I think if we could sense that we would be more willing to release things rather than hold on to them too long and step into the new that God has for us. But if we don't recognize it, we won't do it.
1: Uh, and, and it's also not just recognize it, but if we say, well, when everything is perfect, yes, then I'll do it. No, each time God led and God has taken, I was an evangelist, then I became an academian. And I started Bible colleges. Still got a great Bible college out here in Singapore. Going great guns after over forty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you did I? I was not an academician when I started out, but I had to become an academician. So there's can be times of preparation, meaning that uh, I had to sh- my shift that God was taking me into required me to learn new things. Hmm. When I shifted from evangelist to pastoring, though I knew about pastoring, it's different when you actually do it. It required me to learn new things. Uh, I had to expand my level of ministry. I had to study more of God's word or I had to learn and sharpen my spiritual skills. Uh, At times it meant even a physical change from one country to another. Mm-hmm. From the U.S. to the Marshall Islands, from the Marshall Islands to Singapore, and then traveling uh, literally on every continent of the world, ministering, you know. And so if we, Nehemiah, again, look at him. He he had to be willing to give up security and comforts mm-hmm. and move mm-hmm. back to Jerusalem, move to another location, a place he hadn't lived for many years. Yeah. And to do something, hello, he was a cupbearer he was not a contractor he was not a mobilizer he was not a builder he had no experience and he had to be willing even to expose himself to critics to slander to questions of his motives and a lot of character attacks a lot of the unpleasant things just in order to obey god
0: yeah so yeah. to
1: me you got to change you have to be willing to say god I'm willing to change anything and everything that your new assignment requires. Wow.
0: Wow. Now That can
1: be scary, right? That can be scary. (laughs) Really scary. Now it doesn't mean you can't still lead worship Angie. Yeah. But the level of anointing for that will have shifted. Yeah. Yeah. I still know how to do evangelistic crusades because I did them for years. But I was in India where I have done open air crusades for years. But because the anointing has shifted.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: We have all of these gifts inside. But and you will have two or three, maybe different gifts, different anointings. But one of them is going to be more paramount at a particular time. So I sense it like God's the anointing for the. Crusade evangelists, the office, not just doing evangelistic messages, but the office of the evangelists begin to decrease because the pastor, apostle, prophet begin to increase. Mm-hmm. Are you following yeah, me? I do. So when God creates each one of you, those of you listening, He creates you with great potential. He puts a reservoir. I like to call it a reservoir of potential in you just waiting to be awakened. Mm -hmm. David started as a shepherd boy, but his potential was to be a king. Esther was an orphan. Hello. Out in the countryside. But God's potential in her was to be the queen to save her nation. Lydia was a businesswoman. But God used her to open the door for the gospel to enter Macedonia. Her business launched one of the first church planting missions oriented endeavors. Come on. There is unlocked potential. (sighs) That unlocked potential, undeveloped, unrealized because of fear in some of you, because too often we have a mindset of impossibilities not me. I'm not worthy. I'm not able. I'm not known. Come on. We're guilty of disqualifying ourselves, folks, even before we try. We're not there when we begin. But by faith, we start the journey of obedience. Mm -hmm. And God brings out of us those things we don't even know now really exist.
0: Wow. What a word. Thank you for that word. My goodness, my goodness. Some of us needed to hear that. I know I needed to hear that. And, you know, if you think of even about Nehemiah, leaving a very comfortable cush position, serving the king to do what God had called him to do a brand new assignment, we're entering a brand new year. And that assignment did not come without obstacles and opposition. I think oh, sometimes this we, we have this false idea that if God calls us to something, it's just going to be effortless and, and glamorous and smooth. <laughs> if you're watching, you can see that we're both laughing because we both know that rarely is the case. And you talk about that in the, in the book, moving on and moving up that we have to anticipate opposition, especially when we're moving to another level in ministry. We're shifting you know, just speak to that for some of us who struggle with with understanding and embracing the fact that opposition will come. It's part of the assignment.
1: Well, what uh, we are laughing, Angela? But, you know, uh, when I'm uh, with live audiences and in our, particularly in our church for years, uh, I, I would I would come out. You know, they this or that, and then. Uh, I I would say wrong <laughs> thinking. And so that became a trademark. I love it. <laughs> and, again, I, I, I would, they, and as soon as I would start wrong, they would all join in. Wrong. Oh. <laughs> then we get it. Yeah. But listen, it, so in, in case we don't cover all of it, my uh, books that you were talking about.
0: Yes. Actually,
1: actually, that moving on, moving up, as I said, there's three books in the series And each one then has a subtitle. The one that you're particularly addressing is uh, 10 principles, 10 practical principles, getting us to another uh, next level. The two other books in that series, in the series only, is focuses on the moving on, moving up in the marketplace. Mm. And it's very succinct. We've got to shift our theology on marketplace. And the third one is on Succession. I call it moving from succession to significance. Oh, wow. And this is a lot. I've done a, been called to do a lot of teaching on that.
0: Wow. Now,
1: because these are critical topics for today. Now, you can get these books all on Amazon. Okay. Just go to Amazon and you'll find those books there. And I have about six books all together. Uh, that are there that you could uh, come on. You know, this is Christmas is coming. Yeah, I want to encourage all of you. <laughs> Go on there. I'm sure you can find some books for the guys and gals and your in your uh, Christmas list or in your uh, small groups. Get those books. They're small, easy reading. I call them, you know, easy reading, hard living.
0: Yes, that's a good way to say it. That's a great yeah. way to say it because it's they're such practical principles, but. We just, we don't, we just don't fully embrace them. Like this, we're saying, you have to understand, recognize it. You have to understand opposition is going to come. You have to not fight that. In fact, you and I were discussing before we even kind of came on air and our, just conversation prior that we have all had to experience so much disruption in the last two years. And we could, that can feel like opposition. I know personally, it's hard to plan. It can even feel stifling to dream because you don't know if the dream is even going to be fulfilled, put on the back burner, shelved. And um, you know, I talked to a lot of fellow leaders and and it's a lot of those same sentiments. So I, I would love to talk about not only just opposition, but let's just kind of lean a little bit more into disruption and what you're seeing. As we start this year of 2022, you said something so profound in our small group time. Uh, a few months ago, you said, you know, we, at that time, we all kept saying, we're going to go back to normal. I just can't wait till we go back to normal. And I'm waiting for you to say wrong thinking. Because, <laughs> because uh, it became yeah. very evident at some point, there there is no going back to normal. And what you challenged us with is, We're not going back to normal. The place you enter is not the place you exit. We're going Uh, through to a new place. Through is the key. So here we are, even another new year, still struggling with some of these challenges that we've had from COVID, all of this disruption. So what do you sense God saying to us right now, Apostle Dowdy? as we start this new year, how can we shift our perspective to embrace disruption and see it differently.
1: Well, to understand Acts 2, 4, what the church was birthed in opposition. Mm. So uh, much of our opposition for to us today really comes from ourselves. Yeah. Our present comfort, our familiarity uh, with the uh, can form oppositions and barriers to itself. We can become comfortable in church, in our jobs, in our routines, in our expectations, hmm. and even our traditional way of doing things. This is increasingly true for an older generation. Older generations hang on to the old. Older generations, many do not want to change. Hmm. Now that's a that's a loaded statement. Okay, I won't elaborate. But the reality is, are we open? To consider change, I, I was speaking uh, just last week uh, to a group of young adults, on business people, and they wanted to know how can a woman of be how can a woman be a woman of influence in a male-dominated world. And the thing that I found out, not only from my own interaction through the years with people. But also I found some confirming surveys concerning business women, particularly in the States. And the thing that topped the list was confidence, mm. lack of confidence. That's why we have to know that that you've heard from God, yeah. that you have yeah. not heard from a prophet. You haven't heard from you've personally heard from God. A prophet could only c- confirm. But you have to di- di- have that divinity in your own spirit that God is leading, God is speaking, and give you the faith. And this conviction gives you the boldness to not be swayed by the voices of people or friends or obstacles in front of you. You become singularly minded and move with passion, unwavering commitment to his purposes through you. So you want confidence, but not arrogance. Boldness, but humbleness. Passionate, but teachable. So now when we consider those, and then all of the disruptions, because this virus was not given by God, I know. But I feel that what the devil did for evil, God is using for good. He's saying, I've got to shake my people because we're already in this contendrum of the last days. We don't know where now. God is not going to come tonight, I don't believe. But we're in those last days. Things have to shift. Things have to shift. God is shaking the church out of our old comfort zone because the world has changed. The world has enlarged. Populations have enlarged. Major cities have enlarged and rural areas are becoming lesser and lesser. Technology is increasing at an accelerated speed of light. It is accelerating. And God is saying, your church, you can't connect with the world. The world is moving beyond you and is leaving you in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. There's, you've got to change. We cannot see the internet as competition. We've got to get out of our old brick and mortar. And I love church buildings, I have some beautiful church buildings. Come to Singapore, we'll show you some of the best in the world. But uh, we got to break out of it. The, the church is not the building. Yeah. The church is people. God is omnipresent, yet we need the koinonia. How do we disciple? How do we have the koinonia in cyber?
0: <laughs>
1: break out of those para, uh, ministry paradigms and rise up to be refocused with intentional ministry that will build the church to become the church he intended so that we're not trying now to grow the church i say we're trying to prepare the church mm. we have been failing, falling short of his intended purposes because we are called to embrace the future now mm. god has always moved in in timelines of era and generations, there's generations within the eras. There's decades within generations, and there's seasons within decades. Now, with this present disruption, it has shifted us, not ha- will. It has shifted us already into God's new era, and it is extremely disruptive. It is disrupting everything. It's as disruptive as the children of Israel leaving Egypt and moving from slavery to tribes in the wilderness. It was the first time that they actually became tribes. Then they had a shift within that era, that new era of liberty and tribalism into a major, another major shift when they crossed Jordan into Canaan, you know, the shifts that they had to make there. And then when Jesus came, he announced he was, there was going to be a new era. I will future build my church, Mm. but it will not look like the old systems, the old religious systems. Mm. Then comes the download of Acts 2, 4, when the church is born. Mm. Suddenly this infant, discovering, changing, impacting from the grassroots upward. Now the new era is God's awakening and his introduction to the urgency of the mission of the church, preparing for his return. We're in the last days. The devil has upped his ante. While the church has been comfortable inside of our four walls, in our side of our holy huddles, the devil has been very busy out in the marketplace. He's been busy in the political. He's been in the society until he has increased his numbers and his followings and his agenda. While we in the church are criticizing it inside the four walls and keeping the saints happy. Mm. Oh, come on. Mm. So we're really going to in this new era we're going to see now the manifestation of the old wineskins and the new wineskins. We've talked about them for generations. <laughs> now we're going to begin. These, the 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 old and the new is going to become obvious. Those who do not want to move into the new era, those who do not want to embrace uh, the technology, where they do not want to see church outside of four walls and a plate going down the, the road. This new era will usher in changes as dynamic as what happened in Acts 2-4. Mm. So the critical question for us is can we, will we, or will we be willing to change? Are we willing to embrace God's purpose? Or will we resist and become as redundant as the Pharisees? Mm. Because if we don't prepare for his return, that means we're going to stay in our old comfortable mindsets and programs and fast become as updated, outdated as the temple. Our life, our ministry must totally embrace all of what I call the advantages and the disadvantages of digital technology
0: Mm.
1: in both the present and what is coming in the future. I think I mentioned to you earlier, this Mm -hmm. new thing that Facebook guy has come out with, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that new company, the mega
0: Mega-versal,
1: mega yeah, versal
0: mega
1: which is for the magnitude of the universe it's, it's he's talking that last is more universal hmm. so can we envision church and ministry beyond the four walls of our church are we thinking universal hmm. john wesley said the world is my parish but if the world is going to be our parish it can't be inside of a building only. Hmm. We may need some buildings locally, and definitely I'm a I'm a hugger. I love to hug people and <laughs> encourage them and build them up. I'm a hugger. And that I miss, but I cannot la- let what mm-hmm. I miss stop me from moving into cyber. Yeah. And finding ways because Angela, I found. I've been in more countries. I've reached more pastors and leaders in the last two years than I have in any one year or two years of my ministry put together. I've been in more nations. I've touched more lives. I've had people healed, filled with the Holy spirit. We've had salvations. We've had rededications. We've had people in ministry who said, ah, I was ready to resign. Now I know what to do. Hmm. So God is not limited. Don't limit God to our physical mindset of limitations. Yeah. Is God omnipresent? Yes or no? Come on.
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Hmm.
1: Is he omniscient? Yes. Is he sovereign? Yes. Hmm. Then why are we limiting God to the building? Hmm. As I said. I got I got three beautiful buildings. <laughs> We're building another one uh, uh, right now. But uh, uh, that buildings is not the key.
0: Mm.
1: Building is not where everything is going to happen. Mm. We've where's the devil? The devil doesn't limit himself to just a nightclub. Yeah, we limit ourselves to just the church building, mm. a nightclub. Yeah. If you understand the comparison, That's I'm trying to good. make. Yeah. The devil is out there in every sphere. We've got to change our mindsets to get out there where they are. We've got to know their language. We've got to know their problems. We've got to speak to them at their area of felt needs because the consciousness of God in society is not there now. Hmm. Moral values are not there now. How are they going to learn them? They're not going to come inside our four walls. Yeah. We've got to put a trumpet to our mouth through podcasts, through blogs, through Facebook, through the, uh, it, uh, whatever, Instagrams or chats or whatever. We've got to get out there with the message God has. Now, that can be shatening because, hey, many people say I've never done, I've never talked to a camera before. Yeah. I've never talked just to a microphone before okay hello get over it learn how you know we, we god did not create us as robots we can learn even robots can learn we <laughs> he created us to learn to adapt to change that's why he puts things inside of us that the they evolve and come out but we never know that they are there until we use them hmm. i particularly like I'll give you a quote real quick uh, I don't know if you remember Miles Monroe mm-hmm. from the Bahamas. Yes. Great, great guy. And one of the in one of his uh, times of preaching, uh, he said that he was talking to the congregation. He was a meeting. He said, where is the richest place on Earth? And everybody's wondering, you know, Africa with their diamonds, diamonds. Uh, Russia with their gold, Indonesia with their gold, you know, all of them, those kind of things are oil. He said, no, the richest place on earth is the cemetery. Hmm. Because in the cemetery lies buried all of God's potentials that he put in people that they never realized, never developed. And never became the expression of everything that was in them. It was buried and died with them. Now, he said, that's the richest place because of all the richness that was lost. Mm -hmm. Friends, we cannot let ourselves get stuck in a rut that says, I can only do this. The capabilities God has put inside of each one of us far accelerate, far accelerated Our thinking and our mindset. So we have got to change. If we don't change our mind, God cannot change our life. If we don't change our mindsets of possibilities, our destiny inside will never be realized.
0: Hmm. So powerful. Oh, my goodness. Guys, this is an episode you need to go back and listen to and listen to. Whenever I listen to Apostle Dowdy, I have a journal and a notebook with me because I know she's going to download like she is downloading. She's a pioneer. She's here from the Lord. And you've given us just a direct download from the heart of God. As hard as it is, guys, we have to embrace the disruption. We have to see God in it. We have to stop resisting. And like you just said, if we don't change our mindset, God can't change our life. What a powerful statement. As we start this new year, that's why I wanted to have Dr. Dowdy right at the beginning of the year, because I knew that she would bring this kind of a word. I knew that she would challenge us that we can shift. We can shift through to the new, but it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. And she's going to pray over us in just a moment. But Dr. Dowdy, I ask all of my guests this as I close my time with them. And so I'm so curious to know other than Jesus, what person in the Bible has most inspired you the way you've inspired so many of us, of us to make life matter?
1: Well, I really hate those kind of questions. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, but I understand where you're coming from. Oh, by the way, I'll give you my uh, uh, email address to contact the case. Please, please, please do. Um, I really don't have a one person, I don't think. I draw inspiration and lessons from different people in the Bible or in Scripture. I don't think I have just one. For example, you look at Barnabas. How many people are inspired by Barnabas? And yet Barnabas, because he dared to see potential in John Mark. So the aspect that from Moses and Jethro of discipling and delegating was picked up by Barnabas and discipling and making, which revolutionized Paul's theology. True. So Barnabas was a very influential person, but maybe, maybe Paul, uh, I don't know. Uh, As I said, I draw from so many, but Paul maybe because of his spiritual transformation, his boldness to change mindsets, which I identify so well with. His boldness and, and commitment to change mindsets, to endure, uh, uh, you know, the uh, his ability to endure the pain and deal with the pain and adversity, the loneliness, the prisons. His wisdom to raise up leaders and give godly principles by urging them to make their own decisions as they followed Christ, particularly in, to the Church of Rome. If I could not talk directly to Jesus, well, I might ask Paul about the revelations God gave him on the backside of the desert, because I believe it was more than just an understanding that the gospel was for the Gentiles and not just the Jews. I would ask him about the other mysteries
0: Hmm.
1: that he refers to in his writings. Uh, I've studied that, and I have some thoughts on it, but I would ask him for clarification on it. I think it would be a very interesting conversation.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Well, to me, you are a modern day female version of Paul, enduring, persevering, uh, pioneering, cutting edge, and investing into the lives of the next generation. And, And I can see Barnabas too. I can see why your ability to recognize potential and your ability to call us and challenge us to believe God for the potential, to not let disqualifiers, and that was a a personal word for me tonight, to not let disqualifiers of any kind especially our, our, we're our own worst enemy, keep us from letting God Thank use you. us to our full potential. Cause now you can hear us say that's wrong thinking, <laughs> <laughs> whenever that comes up. Remember Dr. Dowdy and Dr. <laughs> Doughty, before you pray, I'm going to read a quote from one of your books, but tell us, and I know that they, they can go to your website as well. Right. And probably I know Amazon, but if they want to connect with you, your ministry, just,
1: just of, put in. Just put info,
0: I-N-F-O, info at NaomiDowdy.com. Got it. I'll put that in my show notes. I'll also put your website and then the books are available at Amazon. And uh, you're going to want to pick them up. Invest in yourself as a leader. Believe in the potential God has put inside of you. This is going to be a new year. We don't know what it's going to hold, but if we want to change our life, we change our mindset. If we want God to change our life, we've got to start by changing our mindset. So before she prays, I want to just read a quote uh, from one of her books. God has designed change to be a process, not an event. He is certainly interested in the end result of the changes he orchestrates in our lives, but the process of growth and maturity that accompanies change is also very important to him. For this reason, he typically works diligently deliberately, and more slowly than you might want, but you need Mm. to remember that his timing is perfect. It is part of a grand plan for your life, and it will bring you great joy and fulfillment as you patiently cooperate with it. Oh, thank you, Dr. Dowdy. This was absolutely just as rich as I knew it was going to be. I am richer for my time with you. I'm richer for knowing you, and I thank you that That you are still blazing a trail, not only for me as a female leader and pastor, but just for so many of us. We thank you. We honor you. And we are so grateful for you and for your voice in our generation, not just the era that we're in, but the generation that we are born into and the difference that you've made for so many lives. So I'd love for you to pray over our listeners as we close our time together today.
1: Okay, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this awesome time. That your Holy Spirit can resonate your purpose in the heart, in the mind, and spirit of every person listening. Lord, you know where we are, but you also know where you want to take us. And I ask that there will be an openness. That you will break off, off the impossibility mindset. That you will cause them to see a fervent open door. And God, give them the boldness and the faith to dare to trust you for their future to not be hung like the children of Israel that were afraid to cross over the Jordan the first time. They saw the obstacles rather than the opportunities. Today, I break off that distorted vision and declare that all things are possible with God. When God is leading you, his word becomes a lamp unto your feet. There is a clarity and a revelatory understanding that you have not stepped into before. But this day, the Lord Lord says, I am touching your mind. I am causing a realignment that you will hear me at a new level. You will understand me in a way you have not understood in the past. Because as you open yourself, I will be able to show you the mysteries I was not able to show to others, but I will show them to you because you know my heart, the Lord says. You know my will. You know my desire. And because of that, this door will be. and my faith in you will rise to that level of accomplishment and achievement for all of the purposes I have designed for you. Father, I release that word and I seal it in the heavenlies over every listener that today is their day of launching into the new in full faith of embracing and receiving in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at angeladenadiovov, and Instagram at angeladenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.